belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for February 4th, 2024 is called Sabbath as Telling Time. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Central United Methodist Church Chapel in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, hello again if you're listening on the podcast. My name is John Ray. Really glad that you're here at Grace Church with us today. We're talking about Sabbath. Uh, we have been these past few weeks since we started the the first of the year. Um, and I'm going to take a seat today just slowing things down. We want to talk about some things today together. Um, back around the turn of the last century, that's how we're feeling old now when we talk about the 1900s, like uh, turn of the last century, There was a whole spate of reality TV shows on PBS. Now, don't think Survivor or Bachelor or anything like this. PBS, after after all. Uh, No, these shows were more like the love child of some hardcore historical reenactor and highbrow terrarium builders. (laughs) And what happened is... In each program, they took a family or a group of individuals and they dropped them into a time period living condition. So the first one that our family watched was Frontier House. And so they took a group of people and they put them in log cabins in the wilds of Montana. And you had to, and you were totally cut off from all civilization. And you had to eat and sleep and do your chores and everything as if you were living in 1800s Montana with this. Well, and apparently there was some amount of success with this, and I don't don't remember exactly if that was the first one, but then there was a whole spate of them. And they had like Victorian house. And and this this one was neat because they had upstairs, downstairs. So some people were living as the landed gentry, and then some people were as their servants. With this, and we're talking, you had to use chamber pots, like the whole deal. Like there was no, you had to do everything exactly as if you were living in that time. Uh, I think the 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 worst one was like, um, what did they call it? Um, it was something with the slums. It was like slum house, and it was like a Charles Dickens era slum row house that you had to live in. <laughs> but anyway, they were they're each. Interesting because each one came with kind of its unique um, set of challenges. But it, it was interesting as you watch it, the hardest thing was not using a chamber pot or having to cut wood for heat or, you know, not having access to ibuprofen when you worked real hard all day. But it was the people's attitudes. It was, their, it was overcoming the attitude that they should have something different. Like, why do I have to do this? Even though they had signed up for it, even though they had gone through this selection process, even though they were fully told, hey, this is what you're going to be doing for the next month of your life, or however long it is, they would get in and their attitudes were the things that were the biggest obstacles. And this is what... This is when people would tap out, is they couldn't overcome their attitudes. It would just be 
they couldn't force themselves in a way in their attitude to accept their circumstances. I thought about this as we've continued to study Sabbath. In the teaching team each week when we meet and we talk, we've kind of come to a a little bit of a group consensus that maybe this is the single hardest of the commandments to obey. And if you don't feel that way, I would suggest maybe you haven't tried hard enough to actually obey it. (laughs) You may have that same attitude that they did on these shows. Oh, sure, I could do that for a month. Of course I could live in a Victorian mansion. Of course I could be in in a Welsh coal mine. Of course I could be in a Montana wilderness for a month, you know? But then when you actually try to do it, it quickly becomes apparent of all the reasons why we don't do this as a society and as individuals. Um, I want to go back and and actually read, I want to read both versions today of the actual commandment, the one given us in Exodus and then the one given us in Deuteronomy. Exodus 20 says, Remember the Sabbath day to set it as a part as holy. For six days you may labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your cattle, the resident foreigner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and set it apart as holy. And it's interesting because in Deuteronomy he gives a different reason for resting. Here it is because God rested, because God created, God rested. Well, we see that that in a way, we've talked a lot about Sabbath as freedom and Sabbath as resistance and Sabbath as witness. We want to we look at it today that Sabbath is a form of timekeeping. It's a, form, it's a way of doing that. Sabbath is a form of timekeeping as well as time telling with that. And it's a way not so much as going back, but le- learning to inhabit a space that includes all time. In a way, Sabbath is the antithesis of the shows that I've talked about where they're confined within one specific era. Sabbath encompasses a large, almost all time. You could say it's a, it's a, it's a brief timeout from time. It's a timeout from modernity. It's a timeout from 2024 in that. And it puts us in a different place with that. And it's and the reason why, I think, is because God emphasizes God's self in a specific time as opposed to a fixed geographical place. We're going to talk about this. Our practice of Sabbath is a response to the emphasis, to that emphasis, that helps us keep time and tell time properly. You see, we need to know when we are as much as where we are. I ask you where you were, that's really easy to say. If I ask you when you are, there's a lot of different things we could say. I'm in old age, or I'm in middle age, or I'm in my youth. I'm in the upward trajectory in a relationship. It's new, it's fresh, or I'm in the downward, or I'm I'm in the doldrums. Like There's all kinds of different times we're in in our life. And not all time is sequential. Not all time is measured in the same way. 
we've all had that feeling, right, that's usually typified when we're students and we're waiting for the clock to tick so we can get out of class. Like that last five minutes of class seems like hours, right? The experience of time is different. Not every minute feels the same. <clears throat> and so we need to know this. It also helps us understand that God redeems all time, all of it past, present, and future. This also helps us deal with this idea of sacred and secular, um, that those two, those two things kind of fade away when we see God as the God of all time. And in a particular way, especially within our society today, and so many people talking about deconstruction of their faith, setting it into this aspect of time, seeing God as inhabiting time, I think helps give us a tool to help us in the reconstruction of our faith as well as the deconstruction. When we understand that God is not located, um, that God is located in time, not just geography and not just in ritual. Think of all the wars that are being fought right now over a particular piece of land and the justification is, well, this is God's land. We don't even have to look to the Middle East there. There's a group down on the Texas border right now calling themselves God's army, using the justification of defending borders with this idea that God has established a preference of one geog geographical area over another, separated by a geopolitical border. This is, this is the antithesis of what God is doing with Sabbath. God is saying, God is establishing God's presence in, a, in time, not in a particular geography. Does God show up in a particular geography? Of course. But that is, that's, that's consistent throughout all geography. And there may be an emphasis at one time or another, but it's never a preference, and it's never an eternal establishment. Likewise in ritual, that there's not one certain sort of order of worship or way of praying that God is inhabiting as opposed to others. And, and when we, but, but we all need something to hold on to, right? We're finite beings. We need something to, to anchor into. And those things, the things like that, they become easier to anchor into because we can control them. If I say God lives here, and I live here, I happen to live here, that gives me an element of security and control over God. Oh, well, God is in my ritual. God is in my way of expression. I get a way of expressing that. This idea of God in time does away with that because that time is available to all people everywhere. It doesn't matter where you're located and it doesn't matter what your ritual is. But God is emphasizing in this time where we encounter it. Well, Deuteronomy, the, the same um, instruction is, is given. It's given this way, though. Be careful to observe the Sabbath day, just as the Lord God has commanded you. You are to work and do all your task in six days. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On that day, you must not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male slave, your female slave, your ox, your donkey, any other animal, or the resident foreigner who lives with you, so that your male and female slaves like yourself, may have rest. So we see a little different rationale here. 
Like before it was like, you can rest so you can be like God. Here it's like, no, you're the people of God and everything needs to rest because you're doing this. And then it goes, recall that you were slaves in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out there by strength and power. This is why the Lord God has commanded you to observe the seventh Sabbath day. So two very different rationales for the same commandment. This is the only commandment that I know of where there's two separate, distinct rationales given. And again, this commandment is the longest of any of the commandments by far. And I think that's another indication of why it is so difficult. Is It's like, I know it's going to be tough. Let me, let me make sure you know why you're supposed to do this. Let me make sure you know why you're going to do this. And in the two distinct rationales, one, hey, this is a way we imitate God, but this is also a way we recognize what God has done for us. In the imitation of God and watching God in creation do this, we, we become like God. Uh, we, we imitate God's nature that, that way. But in this, we also recognize what God has done for us with this. And this helps us understand that in time, time is associated with our memory. Time, time coalesces in our memories with this. And God needs to be located there as well. The memory of what God has done. Located, that, that transcends geography, transcends rit, ritual. It is in this established time in our memory. It is also in our relationships. The time that we give each other, uh, we hear it all the time, right? What's the most valuable thing you have to give? Well, it's your time. And the giving of the time to other people. When we, when we say, when we stop to work, now again, this is very difficult to do in our society. And I believe that that may be why I've been struggling with it so much is because we talked about on the first time. It's like, this is the one commandment that our society actively encourages us to break. I mean, we're, we're actively encouraged by our society to break this commandment. It's, it's almost, we're going to talk about this next week in, with how community fits in. But if I'm stopping from doing the things that require other people to work, then I'm giving them the gift of time. Now, again, my individual obedience to this, I recognize that doesn't amount to hill of beans. It doesn't matter if I decide to shop. The, the shops aren't going to close. Other people are still going to shop. The people who work there are still going to have to go to work. But I believe the design, the heart is that we would stop from those things so that everybody got a break. And the gift of Sabbath would be given as a gift of time to other people with that. And even though we may not be able to, to affect that on any kind of scale, large scale, there are ways we can do that individually. There are things, there are relationships that we have with people that work for us or with us that if we do decide to cease from that, it does offer them a break with that. That's one of the reasons why we've moved our liturgy to the afternoon. Is because by the even by the simple act of meeting on a Sunday morning, we're asking the worship teams and the AV team and the people who come together. We're requiring them to work on the Sabbath with that. And again, if we understand Sabbath as a as a period of time from sunset to sunset, we're getting closer to having a full twenty four hours where people aren't having to work when we come together with this. We're still examining this. And of course, we're doing it within the context of where we are. 
we're not going to achieve perfection with this. Which is a tough thing to admit, because my very first sermon when we started about this was, we wouldn't say that about any other thing. I wouldn't come and say, you know, Drake, hey, as long as you're not murdering people 80% of the time, you're good. Right? <laughs> you know, as long as, hey, as long as you've got that adultery rate down to like, you know, 15%, you're, you're good with that. You know, there's none of the other commandments that we would accept anything except total Obedience, or at least the aspiration to total obedience. And here, in some ways, I, I do think we have, to, we have to come to terms with just how much can I do? Just, just what is actually possible within the context. And I do, not to pick on Drake because he's just here, but if you're a medical professional, right? Like, like there's, people don't wait to get sick until Monday morning. Things don't break down that are essential to people. That, those things don't wait. Horses don't. They, they don't stop being hungry on Sunday, do they, Katie? <laughs> or running into barbed wire fences or <laughs> getting caught in things or whatever, right? Like, like things need to be done. Children, children don't stop asking to be fed on Sunday or clothes need to be washed or things like that. Like we all have the context of what we do with this. And like I said, um, but I think, I think understanding and going towards a greater participation is what is being asked in this for sure. And when it comes to the practical, um, talking about that, we have to learn to love Sabbath. I think this is going to be the hardest thing. It's not when we do our service and where we don't do our service. It's not going to be, you know, do I do laundry or do I do, you know, Lesson prep, do I grade papers on Sunday or do I not? Those things will work out. But we need to learn to love Sabbath. As a kid, I mean, when I was Ben and Levi and Charlie when I was y'all's age, I didn't like Sundays at all. Sundays were not my favorite day. One, because we only had three channels on TV and the stuff they showed on TV, I didn't like it all. So it was like, a, it was like there was nothing to watch on TV. But I didn't like what they were showing. And it was just like my parents wanted to take a nap on Sunday. And I thought naps were dumb. You know, I love naps now. I understand. But back then, I thought naps were dumb. And a lot of times, you know, I didn't get to see my friends because I wasn't at school and, and the stuff like that. And, and Sundays were just boring. Like they were just boring with that. And I don't know about y'all's experience with that, whether they were good days or bad days. But, but I'm predisposed not to like that. Now, since then, growing older, you see all the options. Of course, we have endless options for entertainment now. That's no longer a question. But I do think that we need to learn to love Sabbath. And I think, I think that's more caught than taught. I think that's why we're spending so much time as we understand how important Sabbath is to God. When we start to understand that, then we, I think we can start to ask why. Like, if we really want to know, why, God? Why is this so important? And then let God show us. Let God lead us into that love of Sabbath. That love of ceasing. Because we're all addicted to action, y'all. We are all addicted to constant stimulation. Maybe the hardest thing for me has been is I've been really trying to practice these things, and I don't know if we've published it yet, but 
Jennifer started it um, kind of a, a working dock of all the different practical ways of practicing Sabbath. <clears throat> and one of the big commitments that I'm trying to do is like no social media, no scrolling, laying aside the phone, doing those things. Y'all, it's hard. You're just, we get so used to those habits of doing those that we, we want to practice them all the time. And what happens then is when we have unstructured time, those actually become, fill more time with it. And so learning to love Sabbath learn is, is a way, um, is what it's going to take. I don't think it's, I don't want this to become legalistic. Jennifer mentioned it last week. And we've talked about it before that, that while, yes, there is intentionality to it and there is discomfort, it cannot be legalistic in the way. It needs to be disciplined. It needs to be intentional. We need to recognize there's going to be discomforts. There's going to be wins and losses, hits and misses. But we, the, at the heart needs to be going, how do we do this? Because we also, we tell time with our emotions. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how the things that you love are the things that are most precious in the way you keep time? We make time for the things we love. Emotionally, we get excited about the things we love, the things we value, the things we, we give ourselves to. And the things that we don't like, we try to rush through, we try to put off, we procrastinate, we we get try to get it done or we avoid it with that. And I think ultimately at the end, and I'll, I'll wrap this up, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, um, is to understand that, that that Sabbath keeping as a way of telling time is, is that time is kept by our heart. That time is kept by our emotion, not by the clock, but it's kept by our heart. It's kept by our emotions. So I want to encourage you as you continue to practice this, as you continue to, to try new routines, as you try to um, work through this. And then like Stacy said, next Sunday, we'll be talking about Sabbath as community. We'll be practicing that uh, in the context of one of the biggest communal events in our society, which is the Super Bowl with that. And uh, I do think meeting even within adjusted time is a way of tuning our hearts towards the thing that ultimately matters on that day with that. So um, at Grace, we take communion together every week as a way of recognizing that the table has been set for us. We do not have to set the table. Um, this is the meal that God has prepared and everyone is welcome to that table. This is also the time where we give our offerings as a sign that everyone here has something to give and no one here is without a need. And also to reflect, write it down. If Something spoken to you, write it down, make your intentions now to do that. As soon as we leave, we all know it's going to be distracting. So make that time um, and make that intention to do those things. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.